Welcome to Third Floor Views, a production of Chesapeake Family Life, where we talk about health, education, and living with kids. I'm your host, Janet Jefferson. Today, we're talking about stress, and we're going to talk about all sorts of stress that you may or may not feeling be feeling right now. And joining us today is Dr. Shadana Harris. She is a therapist specializing in client-centered therapy. Thank you so much, Dr. Harris, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. As I said, we're talking about stress today. And all right, Dr. Harris, let's get started. So let's start first with with sort of your classic holiday stress. How common is holiday stress, especially in in families and especially maybe in with moms? Yes, uh, holiday stress is quite common. I think I start to see people talking about like the holiday times and stressful uh, events coming up sometime, you know, close to Thanksgiving. And it lasts at least until like Christmas, New Year's, um, New Year's Eve around that time. And so it's, it's quite common. Some people term it as holiday blues because mm. you have like all these kind of like expectations and um, things that you want to do. And sometimes they may be unrealistic. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, exactly. Do you feel like it, it hits moms or, um, you know, the, the women and families harder than maybe men, or is it really dependent on the person or the family structure? Do you see it targeting certain people more than others? Yes, I think it really does depend. I will say for women, you know, there was a study done back in 2006 by the ABA. They talked about like women experiencing more stress than men during the holiday times. And I think that's because of the implications of maybe these kind of roles that you think you're supposed to fill, like you're supposed to buy, be the one that buys the perfect gifts, the one that does the hosting and all of the cooking, you know, but nowadays things are a little different, you know, and people of all the different types experience this type of stress. And I think it comes a lot with, you know, again, the expectations of what you think you should be doing. And of course comes financial stress because you're buying gifts and you're buying food, you know, and that can bring about it its own kind of, um, you know, disappointment about not meeting those those goals or those expectations. You know, it's particularly for families, you know, because you want to be able to provide, you know, a certain type of atmosphere for your children. And if you aren't able to do that or you feel like you can't do that um, to the expectation to which you want to do it, then you may feel some sort of sadness or disappointment or low feelings of self-esteem or insecurity. Mm-hmm. Why is this happening? And the way that you're, you're sort of voicing it right now makes me think like, oh gosh, like, are we doing this to ourselves? Is this something as simple as just uh-huh. adjusting expectations? And um, yeah. I don't know, how hard is it to adjust expectations? Is that something that's much easier said than done? Or can we just do mm-hmm. sort of a, a shift and, and be mm-hmm. much happier, mm-hmm. more relaxed people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the last thing you said, like much happier, more relaxed, (laughs) you know, breathe a little deeper and not as shallow um, in the chest. But yes, I think we do a lot of times do it to ourselves, but it's also what we internalize by what we see. 
So you're seeing ads and commercials and you're seeing posts on social media and you see families together and you feel like you should be with your family or you should be buying X amount of gifts for your children, you know? And if you aren't doing that, that means something about you. And that's not true. And that's something that you have to tell yourself, but it is easier said than done. Even when you tell yourself, the other part of yourself is like, yeah, but not us. Like we, we, (laughs) we, we, we have to meet this goal. Like other people can settle but we have to meet it. And it's like, no, you can only do what you can control, you know, and trying to find the peace and happiness in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think the biggest challenges of holiday stress are? Is it these, these expectations maybe that are unrealistic that we set for ourselves or are there other challenges that you see as well, whether it's <clears throat> Um, relationship with family members or, mm-hmm. um, or, or as you said, like the financial stress of it all, because there is a lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of buying that seems to feel like you need to achieve, even though there's, there's so many different kinds of gifts you can give. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What are you, what are you seeing as the the biggest challenges, um, at least within the, the clients within your practice? Uh, definitely social challenges. So as far as like being with friends, being with loved ones, and feeling like isolated or, or lonely. Um, if you don't have that type of support, you know, maybe you're in a state and your family is somewhere else and you're not able to visit them. Um, and then there's mental health challenges that also kind of exacerbate those symptoms of loneliness. Um, you know, if you suffer from depression or anxiety, you know, and then that comes with the, the feeling of isolation and, and loneliness and also there's there's grief you know so for anyone um, that has lost someone around this time or had a, a traumatic event happen to them around this time you know that can come up as well um, so yeah I've seen across the board you know all sorts of kind of it triggers a lot of feelings the holidays mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine that a lot of people right now yeah. are, are grieving um, for people who are no longer here, you know, with COVID being a huge challenge in this country mm-hmm. right now. And a lot of people are not going to be sitting at the holiday tables, which yeah. can be really, really hard. And it's sort of maybe the first opportunity or Thanksgiving and, and Christmas or depending on whatever holiday you celebrate, you're going to see that there's a chair that's empty. Um, So I do want to, I do want to talk about some of the other stressors that we're seeing right now beyond just the holidays. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, COVID right now is a, is again coming sort of rearing its ugly head and we're dealing with a new variant with Omicron that Mm -hmm. um, is now bringing anxiety up again in terms of, you know, where we stand. Um, And I'm seeing at least a lot within the, the parents within my communities, you know, we're talking about it all over again. And sort of, I think we were to the point oh, where yeah. like, okay, let's relax a little bit. We've got this, mm-hmm. but you know, mm-hmm. I still have really young children who are not yet vaccinated and it's just mm-hmm. like, oh no, here we are again. Yeah. And with holidays, all the travel and mingling of different groups of people. Um, I think that that adds a new challenge as well. Mm-hmm you know, what, what are you recommending in terms of with your clients, how to handle mm-hmm. this constant uh, roller coaster of sort of this health anxiety that we're still facing? Right. That's an excellent question. I ask myself that as well. Sometimes me and my clients commiserate together because we're all in it and, you know, and we all have different emotions at different times, things change from day to day, you know, and I think 
with the holidays being around, one of the things is just to try to make the best of the situation that you have and trying to be as comfortable with every situation that is, you know? So if you're choosing to be with family, you know, trying to do that as safely as possible and as comfortably as you can. And if you're choosing not to be with family and choosing to either Zoom or finding a way to still be in contact so that you can still see each other and have that kind of um, interaction, then that's something you can consider as well. It's, it's kind of like what we were talking about to be your new, your new normal. Um, and what will that look like in regards to how you go about your life and how you can make it um, as, as fulfilling as you can for yourself and your family? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, one of the other challenges yeah. that people are facing right now, and even mm-hmm. specifically today, is we've seen you know more, more increase in violence across the country in a lot of different ways and for a lot of different reasons. But right now, you know, today there was a threat all over Maryland that there might be some school violence. And so I know that um, a lot of the police departments have done a tremendous job in sort of looking into that and and trying to make things as safe as possible. But parents are still receiving these letters from principals saying, hey, the, this is happening. We want you to know um, that we're, we're doing what needs to happen. But, you know, this is a conversation that that's out there. And parents now mm-hmm. are thinking like on top of all these other stressors, now I'm also thinking about school yeah. violence and it's right here. It's right. I'm receiving a, a letter from my principal tonight about school tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's it's yet another stress in this moment. Do you, when you're talking to your clients, when you're thinking about violence as a possibility mm-hmm. and when it feels so um, abstract because you don't know where it's coming from. It, it, it could be from a stranger or, you know, someone that you, an acquaintance that you don't know very well. And then you're also thinking about mm-hmm. your children. Like I'm sending my children out into the world and I am trying to balance risk with, with the reward of in-person education. Mm-hmm. How, how do you talk to your parents about this constant anxiety of, of violence mm-hmm. that, right we're seeing now all the time everywhere. Mm-hmm. When I normally talk to clients about anxiety, it's about what is the anxiety about? What is the end result? And a lot of times it's the thinking pattern to get to like the worst case scenario or catastrophizing the you know possible outcome of what could happen. And so I think there is a difference between trying to be prepared and have all of the facts and make sure everyone is safe and then having this kind of thought process of the worst case scenario and then getting caught up in the anxiety of that and acting as if that worst case scenario has already happened, you know? So trying to figure out the real realistic goal of, you know, I want my child to be safe. What does that look like to make sure they're safe? That's talking to the school, um, you know, sort of feel like they are, they're going to be safe. And there's still going to be that anxiety, you know, because they are your your children, you know, so that's never really truly going to go away, but just managing and knowing that, you know, you did what you can. Yeah. I think that's a good reminder that, you know, we can't control everything and we have to, you know, you, you, you could worry about anything and everything and, but there's only certain things that we can control. So change what you can control and, and feel empowered by that. But then you just sort of have to have to walk away. Right. And sort of, sort of be like, okay, these are the decisions I'm making. And, um, and I have to be okay with that. You do, you know, and and that's the hard part is being okay with the decision because we always want to look back and be like, Oh, I could have done something else. I could have made a different decision, but 
you know, it's okay. You know, there is another side to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about a lot of different challenges that parents are facing right now. You know, do, would you say that, you know, all these different stressors, when you're trying to manage that, would you manage each one individually or at the end of the day, is it just stress and you (laughs) have to manage it more or less the same way? Or does it really matter what kind of stress we're talking about, do you think? Yeah, I think it is a mix, a combination of that. You know, it is overall a general stress, but at the same time, it is, I tell my clients, you call them certain type of hours, right? So from this time to this time, I'll think about the stressful event and the things that I need to do about it. And then after that, I'm going to throw it over here and not think about it because there's nothing I can actively do about it. A lot of times when you're stressing about something that, you know, you're thinking about the possibilities and outcomes and you can't put any action into making those outcomes a possibility or whatever. So that brings about its own anxiety and stress. So again, recognizing things that you can control, putting action into things that you can, you know, engage in and the things that you can't, figuring out a way to have peace of mind with that. Again, easier said than done, but the awareness of that you can do that and it is okay to have peace of mind with things that you can't control, then you can start to think about it in that way. Right. It sort of reminds me of striking that work-life balance. Like, okay, I'm allowed to worry about this, or I'm allowed to work on this problem from nine to five or whatever you decide, Mm -hmm. like your, your, your hours that you're going to work on this problem. And then it's like, okay, walk away. I have Mm -hmm. other things to do. Um, And that's really helpful. Or like the um, sort of sports psychology of leave it on the field. Like you're you're in the game, you're playing the game. And then it's, you know, what happens happens. And then at the end, you just have to walk away. I think that can be, that can be helpful and and maybe even empowering for, for some Mm -hmm. people. What are some suggestions? So maybe tangible suggestions that you might have for, I guess one, let's, let's start with prevention. Like how can you prevent stress? Is there a way that you can sort of set yourself up, um, and, mm-hmm. and make things a little bit easier for yourself? Um, and then of course mm-hmm. my follow-up question would be like, okay, you're already stressed. Now what, like, what are some ways that you can <laughs> find to, a way to de-stress? Right. I think one of the big ways to prevent stress is learning how to say no to things <laughs> and not stretching yourself too thin. Um, a lot of us, you know, tend to be very kind and very giving. And that's great when you have something to give, you know, and if you're giving from yourself and you don't have that energy to give, you need to reserve some for yourself. You The categories of stress and anxiety, maybe even resentment, you know, because people don't recognize that you're stressed out, you know, because you keep doing for others. So now you have to learn how to do for yourself. It's personal experience. So then <laughs> <laughs> once you're already in it, other things are helpful, like letting someone know, expressing that you are feeling overwhelmed or you're feeling stressed out, um, seeking that support, letting someone Again, letting someone know that you need time for self-care. You need that time to be, you know, just with your own thoughts. Um, Therapy, of course, is great because you can process those emotions and those feelings, um, figure out the triggers for your stress and figure out how you can then again prevent um, those stressful situations. 
Do you have any tips for people who don't yet know what their triggers are? Um, like mm -hmm. how they can help maybe be a little bit more aware of what their challenges are. Do you have tips on how to discover yeah. that? Sure. Um, a lot of it is physical because stress and anxiety does manifest in the body. So paying attention to like situations that make you feel tense. Um, are you clenching your fist? Are you clenching your jaw? Um, are you sweating? Um, is your heart racing? Um, things like that, you know, and that can come from just someone simply asking you to do something and recognizing that you don't want to do it, but because you are feeling some sort of obligation or whatever the case may be, you say yes, um, when you can actually, again, say no. So I think it's paying attention to those kind of physical um, cues. Mm -hmm. And then what, what you were mentioning grounding techniques. So once you're stressed, you know, some things to maybe take it down a couple levels. Um, what, what are some suggestions for grounding techniques? Um, I tend to breathing, deep breathing is, is perfect and trying to figure out how to, um, I'm saying that at the beginning of our interview here, like breathe a little bit more deeper than a shallow breathing. Um, sometimes you can drink a glass of water and do deep breathing while you're doing that. Um, there's a five things techniques. It's you go through five things you can see, four things you can hear. Um, the list goes down like that. I tend to suggest people going outside and literally just looking into the clouds and looking into the sky and being able to take in nature and take in the air and their own thoughts, no phones, no other person, you know, and just being able to figure out how to be present in the moment versus thinking about past issues or future problems. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that, you know, when I was in a, a really stressful job and I found myself being unhappy a lot, I would be like, okay, I got to leave my desk. I got to go outside mm -hmm. and take a walk around the block, mm -hmm. you know, and it's just a exactly. city block. So it wasn't very big, mm -hmm. but I think even just changing your um, your surroundings. And then also, you know, being outside in nature, even if it's a city block, you know, seeing trees, right. hearing the birds, yeah. um, that was, that was helpful. So one of my questions, um, is how do you realistically balance self-care and caring for your family? And so, you know, this is definitely true during the, the holiday season when, you know, we have increased stress, but it really applies to parents anytime. How do you balance taking care of yourself and taking care of your family? I know it's important, but oh my gosh, it seems so hard. <laughs> Yeah, it's a daily, you know, struggle for a lot of people. And I think you literally have to take the time. You can't expect the time to kind of make itself available. Mm -hmm. You have to take it for yourself. And it, that goes back to communicating about how you're feeling. Um, if you're out of your own mind, if you're having low energy, you know, and being able to communicate that to someone and figure out a way to take time for yourself to be with your own thoughts. Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of what you're saying is sort of the power of communication, whether it's saying no to someone, no, I can't, I can't handle this one more thing or, um, you know, sharing with your partner. I need, I need time. I need time for myself to be a better mm -hmm. partner, a better parent. I hear that that's really, really powerful. And 
that it can, that alone, like taking that first step of just communicating how you're feeling seems to be to at least yeah. send you down the, the right path. Do you think that that's, that's right. about right? Yes. Cause people, they can't read our minds. So they don't know. They don't know how we feel. And sometimes we can come off so strong um, that nothing can phase us and that we can just go through life and we know we don't need that type of support, you know, but we do, everyone does. And sometimes it does take just a little bit of communication about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my last question is, is sort of the, <laughs> the worst case scenario. So you've talked about one of the ways to, to handle um, stress is therapy. And that's always a great option. Um, even if you're not stressed, you know, it's great to have mm-hmm. someone to talk mm-hmm. to you and bounce your ideas off of. Um, but I did want to talk to you about like what what are the red flags for when either yourself or a loved one is not doing well and really needs that extra help, whether it be, um, whether it be therapy or whether it be something a little bit, even more aggressive. Um, you know, if you're worried about, um, someone hurting themselves, what are the red flags that we really should be looking out for right now for both ourselves and, um, our family members? Um, isolation is definitely a big, um, red flag. That's someone who, is not answering phone calls. Someone who's normally um, very responsive, you know, and they're not answering calls or they're not meeting with people. Um, they don't have a presence on social media when they're normally posting all the time. Um, a change, like a change in personality. Uh, they, maybe they're more irritable, um, more kind of snappy. Maybe there's a lot more crying, a lot of more emotions that are being expressed. Um, maybe some impulse control issues as well. Maybe they're buying excessively or engaging in like very risky behaviors. And then the last one, like you said, well, not the last, but one of the other ones I have here on my list is, you know, feelings and thoughts of self-harm um, is definitely a big one. And with that, as a, as a therapist, what I tend to assess, because there's a difference between like you have these thoughts about it and then you're actively seeking to harm yourself you know so sometimes we do have a lot of passive thoughts about actually you know about suicide and about self-harm but they don't have a plan to actually engage in those behaviors they just need someone to talk to about it and then they're actively seeking um, to engage in those behaviors and that's when you would recommend them take checking themselves into like a, a hospital um, so they can be under supervision and observation and get the proper treatment that they need in order to deal with those issues. Mm-hmm. Do you have any suggestions for if you see some warning signs in a family member and um, they're not interested in, in helping themselves or they deny it? Um, but you're like, oh man, I really think, really think you could benefit yeah. from some, even some therapy. If it's not, if it's not, um, even super extreme, you're not worried about suicide, but you're just worried about their mental health in general. You know, what do you do mm-hmm. when you, you have a family member or a friend who is not responsive to, um, seeking help? Do you have suggestions for that? I think a lot of times it's one supporting them and let them know, you know, you understand that they are having a hard time and then normalizing that getting help is, is okay. Um, if you yourself seek help and you're comfortable with disclosing that to that family member or friend, you know, 
that's a, a good way to normalize it and show that it has helped you in some way. But at the end of the day, it really is their decision because even when you come to therapy, you're the one, I think that tends to be a misconception. Um, so you have to come in with the material and you have to be ready and prepared to, to do the work on yourself and get that introspection and self-awareness uh, of the things that you want to change. So if they aren't ready for that, then therapy may not work. But if they have some inkling of, of being ready and being open, um, then it could definitely work for them. Mm-hmm. And if it gets to the point of them being like a harm to themselves or others, you know, that's because you want to keep them safe and you want to keep others safe. So, you know, trying to get them into the hospital as quickly as possible so you can do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think those are all such great tips, both for, for self-care, but then also for your friends and family when things um, are starting to seem really, really not good. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Dr. Harris for, um, for all these tips and tricks, you know, and I think the biggest takeaway, at least I got was, would just say no, say no, and make sure that you're communicating your stress to others and find a way, you know, you can't take care of yourself unless, unless you, you sort of make that space for it. And the very first step is communication. So that was really helpful. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you also to all of our viewers and listeners today. Um, Make sure that you visit chesapeakefamily.com for all our local up-to-date information on home health and living for today's Maryland parent. This episode will be archived on chesapeakefamily.com in both video and podcast format. We're going to be taking the next two weeks off for the holidays, but make sure that you join us on January 7th with Hunter Clark Fields. She is the mindful mama, and you can learn how to incorporate more mindfulness into your life. So a lot of what Dr. Harris has been talking about, how to stay grounded and um, keep your life de-stressed, Hunter Clark Fields can help with that. So I'm Janet Jefferson with Chesapeake Family Life and Third Floor Views. Thank you so much.